0: This is the GGC Life Podcast. It's a real privilege to be here. And as Michael said, I'm married to Nova. Met on the 12th of April, 2009. We're married in November of that same year. And uh, we've got two boys, Denver and Levi. They're born on exactly the same day, nine years apart. And uh, I'm going to be speaking on the prophetic tonight. And I'm married because of the prophetic. And I've got my second son. First one as well, but second one I'll tell you now is a real miracle. Someone walked into my office one day when I was still pastoring back in South Africa and they said they had a very vivid dream. They saw me standing next to a girl who was slightly shorter than me. She had dark hair. She was uh, definitely from the East. We were ministering together and he felt it was my wife. And I remember going to Indonesia and uh, just through an amazing set of circumstances, Michael's help getting me that first cup of coffee with Nova Michael and uh, someone called Rudy Furlong. And about 30 minutes into the cup of coffee, God says to me, the dream that Mark gave you five years ago, this is the lady sitting right in front of you. And the truth is, when Mark gave me the dream, I actually laughed it off and thought he had had some bad pizza the night before because that wasn't even on my radar at all. And uh, literally, a few months later after that, Nova and I were married. we have been married going on 13 years this year. And then we had Denver, and then uh, we'd been trying for five years to have our second child. We waited a bit and then started trying, and uh, five years went by, nothing, 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 lots of praying, nothing, people in the church praying, and uh, ended up going to a meeting. A a wonderful man of God in in, um, New Zealand was doing a series of meetings in Hastings, and he sent me a text and said, I'm preaching in your city tonight, why don't you come down? And I remember going and sitting there, and he was preaching on Abraham and Sarah, And preaching on them having a child in their old age. And uh, not that I'm particularly old, but um, you can decide that for yourself. But uh, he turned to me mid-preach. He stopped and he looked at me and he knew nothing. He said, by the way, are you and Nova wanting to have another child? And I said, yes, we are. And he looked at me and he just said these words, so be it. And then he turned and he carried on preaching. When we did the calculation back, Nova fell pregnant 20 days after that word came, after we'd been waiting for five years. And so I want to speak on the prophetic tonight because the prophetic, like all the gifts, is incredibly helpful. And the prophetic can actually set you up into your destiny. The prophetic can open things up to you. One thing I've learned about the prophetic is the minute a genuine prophetic word is shared, that's when whatever's been shared, the wheels start in motion. And uh, at some point tomorrow, I may share on how to bring a word to pass and what that looks like. But if you want to give a title to tonight's message, it's this creating a healthy prophetic culture in and through the church. And Cliff, why do you say a healthy one? Because sadly there are some very unhealthy ones. And you only need to go to Facebook for a few minutes and you'll find Facebook lives. There's a prophet on every corner of Facebook these days who's not short of a prophetic word for anybody that may jump online, and, and some of that's been a blessing to me. I'm not knocking all of it, but it's like every man and his dog has got a, got a cell phone, going to be an online prophet. And I think what the Lord wants us to understand is He wants the prophetic release, but He wants it released in and through the church in a healthy way that's going to lead people into the boldness of what God has actually called them to. The goal, I believe, is to have prophecy that's authentic, accessible, ...and attainable for the body of Christ. And the prophetic, to be effective, doesn't always need to be dressed up in fancy and crazy ways. Now, God may lead us to do strange things... I'm not saying that's not going to happen. He's led me to do a number of strange things, but this doesn't always have to be dressed up in that way. And it's got to be birthed in and through the local church. And this has been said a lot through this time, but I just want to reemphasize this point. If you're not planted in a local church, you're just not being biblical. And the best release of the prophetic that's going to come through your life is when you're planted and in accountable relationships in the local church where your character can be molded and shaped to the point where God can begin to trust you with the weightier things of the prophetic. And you know, we're doing a whole series here on the different gifts and the ministry gifts and seeing many gifts operate. But sadly, what I've found sometimes when you find people that move in the prophetic, if they're not rooted, if they're not grounded... What you find is the rest of their life is almost a total mess. We had a lady arrive at our church one Sunday morning, and uh, she drove up into the parking lot, and she had a whole bunch of tin cans hanging from the rearview mirror, and I'm not lying to you, about eight Maltese poodles in the car. Yapping, 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 and then she walks into the church, and she said to me, she's a prophet, and she's got a word for the church, and she's got a word for a whole bunch of people in the church, and I said to her, well, I'm the pastor, and I've got a word for the church this morning, and the word is that you're not sharing any words. And I'm not, here to, I'm not here to put her down, but I mean, I just thought to myself, if the world sees that that's the prophetic, we're in, we're in big trouble. Because you may be different, and you just got to be you. You don't have to be anybody else. The point is, be you, be prophetic when you're being you, but be grounded in what God has called you to. Because in the long run, you know, when you ignore some of the stuff that, that's practical, we end up in false doctrine, we become weird. You know, you still need to brush your teeth. You still need to put on deodorant. Just because you're a prophet doesn't mean you'd only get to bath once a week. Everybody likes to quote John the Baptist. You're not John the Baptist. And the problem is some churches have become nervous of having anything to do with prophets or the prophetic because of some of the weirdness that's been associated with it. And so God doesn't want us to have that. He wants us to operate in the genuine prophetic. He wants us to debunk all the myths, and He wants us to strip the prophetic back to its basic parts. And in many senses, that's what I want to try and do tonight is just bring the prophetic back to the basics of what the Word of God says, and uh, then it can be built up. And and I'm really looking forward to to Janet's ministry tomorrow. Um, I think that's going to be exceptionally powerful. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. My point in all of this is, you can actually have it all as the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit and still have your feet on the ground, live your life out in the Word and flow in the gifts. Sometimes my son doesn't want to know that in my prayer time I saw a gold bowl and gold lightning and rainbows, he just wants me to sit and actually play Xbox with him. And if I'm not available to him as a dad, you lose all those aspects of life. And aren't kids wonderful? They've got a way of cutting through all the nonsense. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you step off the platform and you think you've just preached the greatest sermon of your life. And then your kid will come and tell you something. And you think, yeah, actually I didn't. I didn't preach the greatest sermon of my life. I actually blew it then. You know, they just cut through all the nonsense and bring us back to reality. And I feel like that's what God wants us to do. And then build up the prophetic so we can all flow in the prophetic. So 1 Corinthians 12, we'll just read a few verses. And I know this is the classic passage on the gifts of the Spirit. But it's going to bring out something of the prophetic that I want us to have a look at. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith. By the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. And if you go on and read through the rest of that passage in 1 Corinthians 12, and again this has been highlighted, it speaks about the church being a body. And that's an incredible way to describe the church. In other words, what it's saying is there's no such thing as a Christian who's not needed. Every believer, every disciple is needed. And every disciple has a role to play. And one of the things I want to bring out tonight is in some form or another, every single believer can prophesy. I believe God wants every believer to prophesy and for you to grow in that gifting that He's given you. So there's got to come a time when, as was said earlier, we've got to stop wishing we were an eye if you're a hand. But take what God's given you and begin to grow in it. So if you just look in verse 7 again, it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That word manifestation means a clearly visible supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit. So when you prophesy, there's a manifestation... There's a clearly visible supernatural activity of the Holy Spirit. I had a friend uh, who sadly passed away, I think it was uh, late last year, and um, he was an amazing prophet, and he had a wonderful thing that he used to say. He used to say, prophecy is God loving on people with words. And we're going to unpack that a little bit more. Then it says, to each one, which means every believer has the privilege to flow in the gifts. The gifts are the grace gifts that God gives us. And then you've got that word to the common good or to, another translation says, to the prophet of all. And the prophet of all means to benefit people and advance the kingdom of God. So when we look at the word prophecy, it means this. To spontaneously speak forth the mind and counsel of God. Or to speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, someone who is a foreteller through an inspired speaker. In other words, it's the Holy Spirit allowing people to hear or see what God is saying or doing in a situation or what God will do in the future. Another way of saying that is it's literally to make God's thoughts and will known in a particular person's life or in a particular situation. Then if you want to jump over a couple of passages, let's read a few verses out of 1 Corinthians 14. Just laying a little bit of a foundation here. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1 Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit especially prophecy For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God indeed no one understands them they utter mysteries by the Spirit but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening their comfort uh, and their encouragement in The King James it says for edification exhortation and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So you've got those three words that speak about the role of prophecy. It's to edify. That means to build up and to see someone else grow. It means to exhort, which means to come alongside and strengthen, and it means to comfort, which is to come close for the purpose of support in a time of need. Now, I've read you 1 Corinthians 12, I've read you 1 Corinthians 14, but sandwiched in between is 1 Corinthians 13. And this often gets missed when people are speaking on the prophetic and when they're speaking on the gifts of the Spirit. And it's almost like that chapter on love is an isolated chapter. We read it at weddings and at different functions. But that, that chapter on love has a context. Paul speaks about the gifts in the body in 1 Corinthians 12, and he speaks about prophecy and the gifts in 1 Corinthians 14. And right in the middle of that, he says, I want you to understand that love is the standard. And here's one of the big things you've got to grab around any of the gifts, but particularly around prophecy You've got to do it because you love people. You're not there to make yourself look great. I often at times have shared words and then it's wonderful when you come back two, three years later and what you shared has actually come to pass. I most times go home and I'm just so relieved. Because I think, well, if we get it wrong, we're going to have to apologize for that. And that's part of the integrity of the prophetic. But it's really nice when you actually step out in faith and do something and God honors that. But what we need to understand is that love is the standard. Gifts, when you give a gift, you give a gift generally because you love someone. And so the gifts, which include prophecy, are given to express God's love to us because He loves us. But then He wants to express His love through us to someone else. Let me say this. Unless you ask God for a deep love for people, be careful about prophesying. Because generally, people that have got no love end up hurting other people when they prophesy. And that's not God's heart. You've got to be in love with Jesus. You've got to have his love in your heart. Then you've got to ask him to give you love for people. And I know it's hard to love people. I understand that it's hard to love people. And people move home groups and people move churches because they got offended and this happened and that happened. But we've got to learn to forgive and we've got to learn to get along. And you've got to ask God for a deep love for people. And when you have that, your prophetic gift and the flowing in the prophetic will grow immeasurably because God can trust you with more. I've been on the receiving end of prophecies that were not given in love. And it's not nice. I've had people send me emails. I've got a prophetic word for you, Cliff, and it's an email of total rebuke, and it's an email of everything we're doing wrong in the church, and it's an email of everything I should change, and that person who sent me the email has got no bridge with me to even speak to me that way. But they're a prophet. No, they're a non-profit. If you don't have love, you're just going to be a non-profit and eventually become a non-event. You see, in the Old Covenant and in the Old Testament, we understand that with the prophetic, there was a fair bit of doom and gloom attached. And actually, they would send someone out to go and see when a prophet came to town, is it good news or bad news? Now, I'm going to speak about the office of a prophet in a little while, because that's different. But for the average believer, God wants you to stick in the realms of edification God wants you to stick in the realms of exhortation and God wants you to stick in the realms of comfort because love is the standard when it comes to the prophetic. Unless you've been ordained as a leader in the church, you are not there to be the moral authority and particularly you're not there to use the prophetic to be the moral authority in someone's life. You're not there to use the prophetic to get what you want or to shift someone into something that you think they should be doing or should believing. If you've got any of those motives, you're sitting in the wrong camp. You're sitting in the wrong place. God wants you to get to that place of love. The new covenant prophetic is mostly for every believer, life, hope, love, and overcoming. So when you've received a prophetic word, even if there's something you've got to step into, even if there's a change you've got to make, you should leave that prophetic word feeling like, yes, I can do this. Yes, I can step into this. Yes, I can grow in this. Yes, God's given me the power to do this. And if that's what you're speaking and that's what the person's receiving, you're operating successfully in new covenant prophetic gifting. If it's anything else, then you need the fivefold ministry ministry up the side of your face to just help you come back. You know, you've heard of that anyway. That's another fivefold ministry which we're not teaching on this week. If you receive a prophecy that's not delivered this way, send it back. Send it back. Say thanks, but no thanks. The best thing to do with those kind of prophecies, especially if you own a cat, shred it, put it in the litter box and let the cat minister to it because that's about as what it's going to be good for the scripture says, when it comes to the prophetic that we just read, it says, eagerly desire the prophetic. So the first thing I want to say to you tonight is there's different dimensions of the prophetic. And the first thing is this, everyone can prophesy. And the scripture says, eagerly desire, pursue the prophetic. It's almost that word when you unpack it, it's about being jealous for the gift. Well, mildly interested in the prophetic. If God wants to give it to me, he can. We'll just wait and see. Um, You're going to be waiting until Jesus returns. You've got to pursue. You've got to step out in hunger. You've got to cry out to God. You've got to believe God. You've got to open up your heart. You've got to eagerly desire. This is a divine partnership between us and him. God's not doing everything sovereignly. There's some things He requires of us to do. So be encouraged with us. Everyone can prophesy, and if you eagerly desire the gift, there's no way that a good Heavenly Father is not going to give you the gift and not going to allow you to flow in the prophetic. So everyone can prophesy. That's every believer can press into God for that. Secondly, prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Romans twelve four 6 says, Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. Everyone can step out and believe God for a word. Then there's the gifts of the Holy Spirit that The Holy Spirit chooses and He gives and He distributes the gifts as He wills. And I believe all the gifts are available to all believers. But what you will start to see is some people will flow dominantly in one gift or the other because it's part of the way God's chosen and the way God's wired things. So there's the gift of the Holy Spirit and you can believe God to operate in that where you feel the anointing of God come upon you and suddenly you start to say things and see things that were not there literally a minute ago. And you've got to trust God for that and you've got to believe God for that. And then thirdly, dimension of the, uh, the, of, of the prophetic is the office of the prophet. Now, this is very different from prophesying, and this is different from the gift of prophecy. And we need to distinguish between the two. For every believer that's operating Just believing God to prophesy or operating in the gifts, you stick to edification, exhortation, and comfort. But someone who is operating in the office of a prophet can actually speak into other realms as well. And we know that because Agabus went to Paul and tied his hands and said, when you go, you're going to get arrested. I mean, that's not, you know, I don't know if that's edification, exhortation, or comfort, but it is the office of a prophet. And you might be sitting here today saying, oh, I can't wait to be in the office of a prophet because then I can really give people the word. Wrong motive. Love is the standard. A genuine person operating in the prophetic office will be motivated by love. That even if they have to speak into something correctively, they're still going to bring it with hope. So all believers are encouraged to prophesy, all believers are encouraged to desire the gift, and all believers are encouraged not to, not to despise the gift of prophecy, and then we know that there is the office of the prophet. So in your life, you'll have natural sight, which is your 20-20 vision, and then you will have prophetic insight, which is a different level of Sight. And then you have prophetic foresight. Prophetic insight is determining what's happening now and prophetic foresight is determining what's coming in the future. And one of the things you wanna pray for tonight is that the eyes of your hearts would be opened, that you would begin to see things that you've never seen before and you would begin to become a walking testimony of God's goodness and everywhere you go, as my friend said, you start to love on people with words. The scripture we read in Romans says, do it in proportion to your faith. So one of the keys in flowing in the prophetic is don't think, well, I need a 10-minute long prophetic word. And then when I've got a 10-minute long prophetic word that has got the details that they'll be in China and then two years in China and then they'll go to Afghanistan, just do it in proportion to your faith. It could just be a simple word that you get that you bring to someone to encourage them, to release them into more of what God's got for them, or a simple confirmation. Some of the most powerful words I've received have not been words that are 20 minutes long. It's been one sentence, something I've been asking God, Lord, is this you? I believe it's you. I hear it's you. And then someone will come up to me and say, Cliff, I'm not really sure, but I feel this. And as they say it, it's bang. That's exactly what I needed to hear. And that releases me into what God's got for me. Most, I would say most, but many believers today, just live with natural sight. Prophecy is about getting genuine insight and genuine foresight into what God wants to do. So go with me to Acts chapter nine, please. Because I believe this is really important. In order for you to be activated in the prophetic or activated in any gift, really, you need to have an encounter with God. And you need to have ongoing encounters with God. So let's look at what happened to Saul, who became Paul, and as God began to release him into his ministry. Acts 9, verses 1 says this. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, said if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, Go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. How many of you know that if you were present that day, that would have cleared your sinuses for the next six months? Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. And then we know later on God begins to speak to Ananias to go and pray for, pray for him to get his sight back and he begins to do what God has called him to. So let me give you a couple of things here which I believe will be helpful for you in having an encounter with God and releasing yourself into the gifts, particularly the prophetic gift. The first thing that we notice in this passage is there's a suddenly. God will activate the call. You will have an encounter with him And I want to say this, let's not be descriptive on the encounter. Because one of the things the church is famous for is if the manifestation was big, the encounter must have been bigger. Not necessarily so, although this was pretty intense. A bright light shines from heaven, you get knocked down and you get blinded for three days. That's pretty pretty intense. Very few people have ever had that happen. But I've seen people who outwardly you think, well, I wonder what's going on. But inwardly, God's doing a major work and God's doing a major renovation. It's not about well, what are people going to think or what are people going to see. The main thing is that you have an encounter with God. Uh, suddenly, and some of you tonight, what's going to happen in this place is suddenly it's going to be unlocked in your life. There's people sitting here been desiring things, and suddenly it's going to break open tonight. Suddenly it's going to be unlocked. Suddenly there's going to be an activation. Suddenly it's going to take place. Then the next thing that happened in that passage is there was a light. He was pulled from darkness into light. He was pulled into the glory of God, and this is where gifts are activated. When you have an encounter with God, you get pulled into the glory of God, and that's when God takes what he's always put on the inside of you, and he begins to switch it on, and he begins to activate it. Your whole life needs to be a series of encounters with Jesus. I love what God did in my life 20 years ago, but there's got to be something that He did in my life yesterday. It's got to be fresh. It's got to be fresh. Then there was heaven's endorsement. Word from heaven came. Then the fourth thing is He fell to the ground. That speaks of humility. God will flow through the humble. Now the humble doesn't mean that you're not bold. Boldness and humility can walk hand in hand. Because at the end of the day, only you and God know whether you're operating in pride or not. I know some people look at some people preach or speak and they think, no, he's arrogant. You don't know if he's arrogant or not. He might just be bold. And one of the things I've committed to doing everywhere I go, every time I have an opportunity to share or pray for someone when it's all said and done, I go to a quiet place and I get on my knees and I look up to heaven and I say, thank you. It's all you. Without you, I have nothing. I am nothing. I cannot do what I'm doing without you. And I give you all the glory. You don't have to be over spiritual. You know where people come and say to you, man, you sung that song really well. No, it wasn't me. It was Jesus. Jesus. You heard that story, right? The lady that sung the song. And she said, no, it wasn't me. It was Jesus. They said, no, no, it was you. No, 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 it really wasn't me. It was Jesus. They said, no, if it was Jesus, it would have been a whole lot better. It was definitely you. So you don't have to be super spiritual. If someone comments or blesses you, I just say thank you, and then I get on my knees and I say Thank you. Oh, you did that well, Cliff. No, it wasn't me. It was Jesus. No, no, you did it. You were there. You were present. Last time I checked, it was you, your voice. Jesus lives on the inside of you. We all know that, but you actually did something. So when he fell to the ground, it speaks of humility. Then in an encounter with God, Jesus will appear to you or Jesus will speak to you. He will give you something. He will begin to speak to you and say, this is what I want you to do. This is what's taking place in your life. The sixth thing that will happen is God's presence will overwhelm you. People have asked me over the years, you know, it's so funny. You go to different places, and um, I mean, this is not one of them. I think particularly after what happened this morning, I think people in this room will be, are fairly comfortable with this. But people come to me at some of the places we've gone, and they said, Cliff, why are the people falling down? And my answer is very simple, because they can no longer stand. They're waiting for some big, long, biblical answer. All right, if you want one, Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. (laughs) When they came to arrest Jesus in John 17, and they they asked who he was, and he said, I am he. He spoke with such authority, the scripture says, that those in his presence fell over backwards. Anyway, so we can find a lot of scriptures to deal with that. But the point is this. God's presence overwhelms you. His presence should be overwhelming. Overwhelming. Because when he overwhelms you, what it does is it just breaks you into a new level of faith. You get clothed in his power. You receive an instruction from him. Paul got blinded is the next thing. What was that? That was a lesson in relying on God, not on what you see around you. You see, an encounter with God will break off you just living purely by your natural sight and will break you into realms of faith, and that's what prophecy is. It's speaking sometimes into the dark when what you're believing for does not even exist or doesn't look like it remotely exists. Will it ever exist? But no, you've stepped out in faith, and you've made a declaration, and as you begin to make the declaration, the wheels begin to turn. Remember... Back in 2016, we were, God spoke to us about buying the building we were in as a local church. And um, amazing, just an, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but an amazing set of circumstances. And uh, ended up being flown to Tampa, Florida to spend a whole week with Rodney Howard Brown and his church. And he sat down with me and he began to teach me on the power of declaration. And I'm sitting in the service one morning. We're $30,000 short, just on the deposit for the building. People have given, it's like people had given everything. We even did a thing, a little box offering where the kids brought their $2. And, I mean, we did everything. Every creative offering you can think of in the planet, we did it. And we were $30,000 short, and he texts me while I'm sitting in the service, and he said, call in the supernatural provision. And I remember sitting there receiving the text, and I'd had some teaching around it. But you know that I'd actually taught our people that you can't do that? You can't get up and call in money. You know, we've seen the conferences, money cometh to you conference. And you think to yourself, well, who who does that kind of stuff? And so I went to the back of the church during worship, and I said, Lord, I can't do this. I actually have taught these people in the past that we can't do things like this. And God said to me, do you want the money? I said, I want the money. He said, then you better do the declaration. And I said, Lord, it's a shot in the dark. And he said, watch what I'm going to do. And I remember getting up in front of the church. I was a little sheepish in the beginning. And I said, look, can we stand and join hands? We're $30,000 short on the deposit, but we're going to call in the money. And then a boldness hit me. And I just started to call it in from the north, the south, the east, the west. Let the balance of that deposit come in. Let it come in in Jesus' name. And I watched some of the people in our church. And I looked. watched the husband look at the wife. And they're saying, he's lost it, man. He's lost it. He's desperate. We told him not to buy the building. If he had only listened to us, he wouldn't be standing in front of the church today making a total fool of himself. The ground never shook. The lights never moved. I went and sat down. We finished worshiping. I preached. I went home. I thought, what was that all about? I get a text message on Tuesday night from another pastor in another part of our city who knew we were believing for a building but didn't know what we needed. And he said, my wife and I have got something we want to drop off at your house. And I didn't even really know them that well. Anyway, so they come to our house on Thursday and he walks in and he starts to tell us the story of how they got their building. And I was listening to every building faith story. I was phoning people. How did you get your building? What did God do? to you?" Because I was trying to build my faith to get the building. And he said, we've come here today, Cliff, to sow into your building. And I thought, this is remarkable. Another church. And if you understand the area in which this church is located is not the area that we're located. It's two totally different demographics. And he looked at me and he said, I've got a check in my pocket that we want to give you. And I thought if it's 500 bucks, that'll be amazing. If it's five grand, I'll probably cry. He pulled out a check for $30,000. Do you know when God spoke to him? At the same time we were doing the declaration on that same Sunday. It wasn't a week before. It wasn't a week after. He was standing in the meeting, worshiping Lord on Sunday morning. And God said to him, you better take your building fund, empty it, and you better give it to Redemption Point Church. They need a building. And what you've got in your building fund isn't going to cover what you need. So you may as well sew it into theirs and believe me for something else. And the beautiful thing about that, that pastor is... They're very strong word of faith people. And isn't, isn't the irony of God amazing that he wanted me to grow and learn this? And some of the things that I'd preached against in the past, he took the very word of faith people that I said, you can't be a word of faith person, and he used the word of faith person to bless us to get us into our building after I stepped out and did a word of faith. I took the check, and I took a photo, and I put it up the next Sunday. I said, do you remember that crazy thing we did last week, church? He's going to do it again. Nothing came in. He's going to do it again. And I said, can you guys put it on the screen? I'll tell you what, the place erupted. We had people standing on the chairs, weeping, crying, clapping. The prophetic, the power of a declaration, the power of stepping out, the power of faith, the power of flowing in the gifts. So you can't, That when Paul got blinded, it was a lesson in relying on God, not on what you see around you. And then what happened after that was Paul was recognized by godly men. If you're going to be a prophet, particularly the office of the prophet, you will be recognized by others. There may be a season of testing, a season of trying, but at some point people are going to stand up and say, I see that on you. I see that on you. You don't have to wear a badge. You don't have to put it on your Facebook. You don't have to advertise it. It will become evident that that's what you are. And then the last one, which a lot of people don't like, is it came with persecution. Any true man or woman of God, any true prophet will be persecuted and are horribly misunderstood. And sometimes you will know it's God, you will need to speak it out, and the word may take years to come to pass, and you will have to live with the fact that you've spoken it, and it hasn't yet happened. But let me tell you this, that if it's a word from God, it will come. Maybe not when you think it will, but it will come. And God will not put you to shame because it's His Word. His Word is not going to be put to shame. So before we pray together, let me say these things and I'll pick up some more things tomorrow. One of the things we need to realize with the prophetic, and that's why you need a safe environment to grow in this, because we need to take the prophetic seriously. At the end of the day, it's not a game. You're actually dealing with people's lives. So we don't use prophecy as Christian foretelling. We don't use prophecy to scold and rebuke people. We don't use prophecy to correct leaders. We don't use prophecy to bring forth your pet ideas. Well, the church is not really evangelizing, so on Sunday I will prophesy that they need to be doing more evangelism. We don't do that. We don't prophesy things like healing out of our own compassion. We do it because it's God told us to do it. One of the things you're going to learn as you grow in the prophetic, one of the key things you need to learn is you've got to separate some of your own feelings from what God's saying. Be very careful of walking up to someone, because I've seen this go wrong, because you feel so much compassion for them that you say, God gave me a word, you're definitely going to be healed. Do not deliver that unless you know it's God and unless you've been flowing in the prophetic for some time. Because people have said that and then had to conduct the funeral of that person. So prophecy is exciting, but we also got to remember that there's this element to it. So some things you can do. When you're prophesying, speak clearly. Speak boldly. And stop when the anointing lifts. How many of you have received a prophecy where the first bit was amazing... And then the two minutes that came afterwards was not amazing. When you feel God's finished saying what he is to say, stop. And depending on your situation, you can use a normal tone of voice and you can speak in very simple everyday language. It would be very awkward in the local coffee shop if you grabbed someone, thrust the Bible into their chest and say, Thus saith God, brother. They're not going to receive anything from you. You've got to understand the place you're in, the moment you're in. Because sometimes we have this grand idea, the prophetic, you know, something. This, uh, sometimes it's a simple conversation where you're speaking to someone. And you can even, this is, I believe this is one of the ways you can start. You don't, don't even have to say the Lord said. You can say, I just feel like you've got a this. or well, I just feel like this is happening in your life. And then if they say no, okay, you haven't heard anybody, you got it wrong, you can go and learn, but if you've heard God and you've got it right, what an encouragement for you to then step out in faith and go further with that. Let's have the musicians up, please. And then finally, unless you're in the office of a prophet, and that'll be clearly recognized and there's a process that you'll go through to become that, prophecy should stay within the boundaries of edification Exhortation and comfort. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.